Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone. Just a quick programming note here at the beginning to give you all a heads up. After this episode, we'll be taking a short hiatus. We discuss why a little bit at the end of the episode, but then some other scheduling things came up and somehow the month of February is just really busy for both of us. So we'll be back in March. Don't worry. And we will continue on on our search for Earth. And until then, enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Battlestar Galactica. Nope, nope, that's not the name of this show. Nope. <laughs> Start over. Absolutely not the name of this show. Hello. You gotta, you gotta leave all that in. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Galactica Actually. I am Jamie Smith and joining me is my co-host... A. Diallo Jackson. How are you? I'm doing great. Good. Uh, we are here today to talk about Season 3, Episode 7, A Measure of Salvation. How do you feel about this episode? Um, I don't like it. No? <laughs> no. Like, I was like Yeah, like I was, I think I was talking about this episode last time and I brought it up before and I didn't yeah. actually realize this was the episode. And so this is the episode. And I don't like I always felt the end at least um with Hilo was always a little weak. Um and I am like kind of watching him more with a critical eye. I just have a I have a, like a lot more like questions about everything. Um and I yeah, it's like it's not the whole episode. It's just it it's just sort of like the nature of this one ta- attached to the last episode. Um, which I think had the same um, uh, bunch of issues is that it just like it felt a little cobbled together and they were like working it out like it still was in workshop mode but they had to get it out so they just kind of breeze along and do a lot of stuff that doesn't quite make sense to me so yeah and there's one big thing we'll talk about it a little bit later that kind of makes the whole thing collapse for me and it's not the helo part um Hmm. So, I still think it's a good ep- like 
you know, like like I think I said last week, like I don't think this episode is terrible. When I say I don't like it, there's some things that happen that don't quite make sense. But like the tapestry artisanship, the craftsmanship of the episode, just like almost everything else, it's still good. It's just like I find some things that happen here a little bit weaker than I see in other things, other episodes of the show. Okay. Yeah. Well... Getting into it, then, uh, we open with a fleet of raptors approaching the um, not-quite-dead base star. Um, Apollo is flying in this raptor with Athena. I did read that um, Apollo leading this team of marines still ties into their initial idea that they were going to have him like join up with the marines to um, get his edge back or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, they are both confused about what they're seeing so these raiders are just floating like dead in space and there's so many of them that they have to sort of navigate around them kind of like how you see in other sci-fi when a ship is like navigating around a bunch of um, asteroids or you know a dead comet belt or whatever mm-hmm. but it made me think that like, there's so many raptors out there that these poor puppies all tried to escape this base star when the sickness hit, and they just died out there. So it kind of made me sad. What? A, well, oh, I, I think, I, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Like, why were there so many raiders just out of their, you know, docking? stations or whatever it's because they they ejected themselves out there but they're like living things Mm -hmm. so it just kind of made me sad yeah i mean i'm still on the whole you know those fracking chrome people (laughs) (laughs) fracking toasters whatever Uh, no, I'm I not mean, like those, they're I mean, just, I, they are just doing what they're told to do. These guys, the croissants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, you're right. Like it extends the the depth of it, I guess. The the reality of it, right? Yeah. Sells everything that they have to go through in this episode. So uh, they are given the go ahead to approach the Galactica after Lee tells them like he doesn't think there's going to be any resistance. Like something is really weird out here. And they make their way onto the base star, um, and then they find the base star's version of the CIC where Baltar had been in last week's episode with all the dead or dying Cylons on the floor. They think everybody is dead. Uh, Athena pauses to like assess a Leobin. And Apollo orders her to check the computer system, see what's going on. And then Diallo's favorite Marine, Matthias, gives <laughs> all, gives orders to the troops. I literally have her in my notes. She's so cool. I don't know why. <laughs> I just think she's so cool. She is. Um, Athena sticks her hand in that water table. It's not so much water as like jelly with like mold in it. And Racetrack is like, Ooh, I don't know if you want to do that. Athena's like, well, that's how it works. But pretty quickly, she pulls her hand out of the goo and says that the data points are all corroded. Corroded? She says corroded. And (laughs) that's not the word. It's corroded. (laughs) 
And then suddenly a six moves and everybody starts freaking out. And then a Leobin jumps up and Apollo calls back to the Galactica that there are still some alive in there. And there's like five of them, one of each model, except for Cavils, <clears throat> probably because they couldn't afford to have um, Dean Stockwell <laughs> in this episode. So it's just <laughs> these five models and they're like crawling towards each other in like a circle. And <clears throat> Apollo is yelling at everybody to hold their fire. Athena goes over to them despite Apollo yelling at her and she cradles the head of another eight. The eight tells her to save herself. Athena asks from what? And then the six explains that it was the beacon and they're infected. And Athena looks at her gooey hand as Apollo informs the Galactica of the situation and says that they've all been exposed. And we go to credits. So, do you have a problem with this part? Um, no. Okay. It was cool. <laughs> Just trying to decipher where in the story you have a problem. <laughs> it's a, I don't know, it's more, there will be a specific part I think will be natural to talk about it, but it's just the g general dilemma here, and so, whatever. We'll get there. <clears throat> okay, so Doc- Previously on Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> Which I believe was Hilo. Yes, I was just about to say it was Hilo this time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that he's done it since uh, maybe season one. Yeah. Yeah. So Doc Cottle consults with Adama about the about setting up a quarantine for the exposed troops. And he asks if they can bring the beacon aboard so he can study the source of the pathogen. But Adama doesn't want to risk the rest of the people on the ship. And right now, like, that makes sense. They uh, they don't know that it's not going to affect the human, so it's not like it's not like Apollo could like bring a little sample of it or whatever. Mm -hmm. So Doc suggests bringing the prisoners aboard so he can study their progression of the disease, and after they die, at least it would give him an indication of like what the, for lack of a better term, life cycle of this infection is. Um, so the exposed troops head back with the five infected Cylons and the base star self-destructs just after they leave, which made me think that the hybrid who was controlling the base star either died or self-destructed it because she was dying. The Athena looks really upset, maybe because she, you know, thinks she's infected. Yeah, that was one of my moments where i like when i so when i watched it my first time i just was like oh you know whatever blew up and i had to really think about it and i was like that was super convenient and then i yeah. was like i was like okay was it i kind of like wondered if sharon did it but i don't think so but then they never really mentioned that there was a countdown or anything so it just it just was sitting there that entire time and then just happens to blow up and that's so dramatic so like what's why and they never get into it and yeah that goes back to me just feeling like the episode was easy a little too easy breezy with some parts i thought that maybe the hybrid recognized that there were no more uh, like living beings on the ship and so she self-destructed it i don't i don't know think i don't know i don't <laughs> that doesn't <laughs> 
I I when I this is one of those ones where I'm not even going to try to attempt a in universe explanation. I'm just going to say they just kind of blew it up in in yeah. the writers' room and overlooked it and moved on. <laughs> <laughs> well, over on the other base star, Baltar is being interrogated by Deanna and Caprica when he wakes up because he lied to them about what he found on the sick base star. He repeats all the things that he's done since he's been there. Oh, I gave you Sharon a child. I gave you a pathway to Earth. And they tell him that they know about the beacon and how he didn't tell them when it was that it was what made everyone sick. He, they think that he, it was he's in cahoots with the Galactica, and they orchestrated this like back when they were on New Caprica and. Yeah, that that was another. That's a that's a stretch, Deanna. <laughs> that, yeah, that was another thing. I was just like, it doesn't that doesn't make sense. How like, would, why would how would that ever happen? Yeah, which is kind of Baltar's response. Like, what? Like, yeah, how would I do that? Yeah, he would have had to it been like a spy from the beginning. Yeah, to you know, they would have had to like foresaw everything would happen exactly the, the way it went just so that he could do that one thing kind of like in skyfall it doesn't make any sense either no, it's like no and you're lucky no so <laughs> like no one can ever pretend to see that far ahead with that many moves to make that one specific thing happen so yeah she should have seen that because she's a super smart cylon right well i guess that remains to be seen how super smart she is uh <laughs> He tries to talk his way out of this. Uh, at first, he starts like, "Well, good news, though," and they're like, "No, no." Um, and he tries to talk his way out, and the centurions come in to take him. Deanna says that this all would have been better if he had just told them the truth. Oh yeah, because right before that, he's like, "Yeah, you know, I should have told you about the beacon. That's my bad. I, yeah. I, I thought that this is exactly what would happen. That <laughs> you would not believe me." And so I didn't say anything. Um, but they intend to find out what he knows. So when we return, it's him in his head. He's laying on a like a beach chair kind of thing, basically. And Head Six tells him to relax. And he's crying about the pain. And she tells him that pain is just neural impulses. And he can decide how to interpret them. And then we see that he's being tortured by Deanna and to a lesser extent Caprica. Caprica is really just standing around watching. He's strapped to a table and he's screaming in pain and Deanna says that she wants to stop but she can't, I guess, like until he gives her the answer that he wants or she wants mm -hmm. and then he like stares at Caprica and quietly says that he loves her. I think he's talking to Head Six though. Yeah. So, yeah, there's going to be a little more of this torture later. Um, I'm just going to give a heads up that I'm not going to, like, describe it. Yeah, I don't mean, I don't really think you need to. Okay. But, yeah, it was very, um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, in the commentary, that he talks about how just much they had to get a lot of it cleared. Because obviously it was a bit much, so they they were certain lots of edits they had to do to really? not make it as any more intense. And, and there was kind of tied into the whole Trisha 
mounting him part later. Um, yeah, that was going to be my question. Separate like, thing. Which part was too much? <laughs> the torture or the sex? Yeah, it was like it was both. There was uh, it was both. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, we'll get there. So the group of uh, soldiers and whatnot that went to the base star have returned. They're being quarantined. Hot Doc asks Racetrack if she's feeling anything, and she says, "Yeah, I'm feeling sick. Sick of you bugging me." and he's like well at least you didn't touch any infected cylons and she's like yeah well it's not my fault you're clumsy so these two are like brother and sister apparently Mm. and doc coddle comes in and says that the humans are immune to the virus they're all healthy and they cheer and rush out to leave and uh there's a little moment where racetrack passes by Hilo and does like arms up celebration she like passes by him which made me think about Leah Karen's headcanon about her crush on Hilo Mm -hmm. Uh, Athena goes to follow but Doc tells her she can't go yet and Hilo wants to know if she's okay and Doc's like well I haven't done her blood work yet and Hilo's like oh oh I see because she's a Cylon like that's not fair so this is where we get started with Hilo's, um, I'm not going to call it self-righteousness. He is correct. But this this is, but. This is the beginning of it. Big but. <laughs> he, I mean, he's not wrong. He There's no reason that Doc couldn't have run Sharon's blood at the same time. His, pri- I, his priority was to man. save the humans and not the Cylons. Yeah, I, I felt like that might be valid, but I was also like, why are you so mad? Like, like he's like extra mad. He's like almost threatening Doc Coddle. It's like, dude, I mean, she's a Cylon. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I get it, but it's a little bit more like, you know, showing up than like being legit. Like, he's just like, it was too much. It was just too much for me. I literally wrote, why are you mad, Hilo? Why are you mad? Hey, bro. Um, Doc Cottle, when he's giving, there's another scene in here that kind of reminds me of similar, but he's given his like explanation of of the virus and why they're fine or whatever. It totally made me flash back to episodes of Downton Abbey, whenever the doctor was explaining um, why some plot device needed to uh, happen and everything's okay now (laughs) they had the same exact delivery it was uh it kind of pointed to that same sort of breeziness that i feel like this episode has Hmm. he's kind of like the doctor in down navy's like you know in some parts of the world there's a a root a plant uh (laughs) found in the jungles and if you ground it up for 50 days you'll be able to heal them and everyone stands around listening. And that was like the same energy as Doc Cottle. Did that describing. actually happen on Downton Abbey? Because I don't remember that. Not that particular one. No, oh, okay. I just made that up on top of my head. But <laughs> okay. there was like, yeah, just, but that's how he, that, but that's how he talks. <laughs> Every time he talks, I was, I'm always, I laugh a lot at that show. I feel like it's a, I feel like it's a comedy and that no one realizes that. That show is very funny. Yeah. But anyway, um, but that's he had that he has that same delivery. And there's another there's another scene a little bit later that has the same energy for me. But anyway, I'm not, I'm not I can't be too affirmative on this episode. 
Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so Doc visits the six Cylons. He tells the troops to take the Doral because he is the one that's furthest along in the sickness. Later, he meets with Adama and Roslyn, and he tells them that he can't cure them, but he can keep them alive. He explains that the virus is lymphocytic encephalitis. The disease is carried by rodents, rats mostly. I did take this transcript because it was easier than trying to describe it in my own words. Uh -huh. um, a couple hundred years ago, humans developed an immunity. He can create a simple vaccine that will dramatically reverse the effects of the virus on the Cylons, but they have an antibody in their blood, which breaks down the RNA of the vaccine. So they will need regular close interval injections of the vaccine or they will die. Now, before I get into what Apollo suggests here, all of this talk of vaccines <laughs> and viruses in 2024 is very different than how I felt about this information in 2018, the last time I watched this. So mm -hmm. pre-pandemic, post-pandemic. Uh, I don't even know that I recognize the term RNA until COVID, <laughs> until the COVID vaccines. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. So, I mean, I, uh, I, mean it took bio, I think I took chemistry and biology maybe in high school <laughs> I've always known what RNA is, but... I took biology, yeah. a couple different yeah. biologies, but I don't remember. I obviously did not retain that information very well. I am not a scientist. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting to think about a virus as a biological weapon or a virus mm -hmm. as a death sentence post-2020 is really how I I felt about like the overall story here. Yeah. I mean, it's not a concept I haven't seen in other sci-fi, so I don't know that it had any other than talking about a, you know, I mean, I Adama actually uses the word later. He's he literally says pandemic. Yeah. So it's not it's not, you know. No, I know that, that part like, has a... we it I'm not Ron Moore's not a soothsayer. Like he didn't predict <laughs> the future. It's just it hits a little different. It makes me think about it a little differently than yeah. um because, you know, we are all recovering from a worldwide trauma. So yeah. like psychologically I'm like, ooh, ooh, God. Pandemics. Yuck. Yeah. It actually that that kind of explains to me why no one growing up it wasn't like people talked about like the spanish flu pandemic to any great extent and i almost understand why now because you just want to forget about that <laughs> you know i'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. move i'm gonna move past that yeah like you know you won't even like i don't know that there will be any like good movies that catch on out of it it's like everyone just wants to kind of move out and forget I, about that i mean it, for real i honestly do not i do not want any any entertainment media that is taking place like because of or during or about the COVID 19 pandemic i do not yeah i've seen a couple things that acknowledge it it's like dude you don't i don't you don't need that like leave that out they tried that on uh this is us 
did when they... they were actually they were they were filming it during COVID, and you know it was during that time. And, Kind of made sense, but even then, they didn't make the hugest deal out of it. But it's still, I, you don't even acknowledge it in a movie. I don't, I don't need to see some movie with the premise that it's during the pandemic that has anything to do with, you know, people having yeah. to shelter. Now, if you want to say everyone was inside and so some like monster was able to roam the streets freely, I'll watch that. Right, make it an <laughs> allegory. Cool, but like there was yeah. an entire season of Grey's Anatomy. That was, I think, out of necessity because they needed, they were, you know, went back into production um, during the pandemic um, because they ended production early when the pandemic hit. So then they started the next season um, when they could safely be on set, but they all had to wear masks and stuff. So they worked it into, you know, just, we'll just, you know, real time this and cover the, so it's the COVID season. I don't know that I'll ever rewatch it because I watched it when it was on the air and I was like, I, I am, I am living through this thing. This is not Mm -hmm. what I want from Grey's Anatomy. Grey's Anatomy is my escape show. Mm It's my comfort. This is not comfortable. Whereas um, Station 19, which is a spinoff of Grey's, they also addressed it, but not in the same way, probably because they're not in a hospital. So they didn't have to do it in the same way. So it wasn't as, triggering to watch that it was a a much more enjoyable season to watch because they could just be firefighters and be outside whatever yeah but yeah like i also still feel the same way about stuff that takes place on 9-11 i've never seen flight united flight whatever i've not seen any movies made about the bombing of those towers or the planes hitting those towers i will not watch it i lived through that I, i don't I can't. I don't want to see it. And it has been, what, 23 years this year, and I still don't want to see it. Yeah, me neither. I don't ever, if I get a hint of it coming on, I turn turn the channel to this day. Yeah. I don't need to see it. I still, like, kind of avert my eyes a little bit when I'm watching, like, Friends or anything pre-2001 that shows the towers in New York. I still am like, oh, God, like, so many people died can't erase it so yeah it's interesting because it's like i may i i'm gonna just doubt, be down on the americans i have nothing to like i have nothing to base the data this on but i don't know that we're like uh creative or smart enough to make like you said like any sort of allegory for the trauma right so it'll unless somebody makes a movie like i just was kind of saying where it's like everyone's inside some monsters roaming but um without it feeling like a message and like you know, like the recent um, Godzilla, you know, minus one, which is basically a return back to uh, the original movie. That is an allegory for the trauma that the Japanese people went through during World War II, and primarily through uh, the uh, nuclear uh, explosions, right? The nuclear weapons. That particular movie, or all Godzilla movies? I mean, to a point the first movie and then and this one um yeah it's just especially this one because it takes place during world war ii and a lot of it focuses on you know it's like a war veteran and but yeah just like obviously the character godzilla is uh you know sort of like an allegory for atomic scars and warfare but 
the function that he serves in all those other movies isn't necessarily to destroy in in some of the movies isn't to destroy the populace like after a while he gets you know he gets his own villains so he can fight them instead um but in that first movie it's that's it's kind of like this things coming to destroy us and it's of an atomic nature is long way a long way to say that that is i think the appropriate I shouldn't say appropriate, but a good way to do that sort of thing. But like just having a straight up movie about the pandemic is. Yeah, no. Say, we all went through it. Yeah. We all went through it. So you don't need, there's nothing you're going to tell me about it that I don't, yeah. <laughs> don't already know. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not going to pay money to to <laughs> trigger my trauma. I'm just not going to do that. Now I would I could make a movie about a guy that's stuck in a movie theater and all they're doing is running the Nicole Kidman everything's <laughs> going to be you better. Were bring up the now Kidman. that is a horror. That is an aspect of the pandemic <laughs> that <laughs> kind of show us something. It tells us something about ourselves. Oh, Nicole while Kidman also is your Mothra. She is. <laughs> no, she's not. She's my road. She's my road dad. She is. <laughs> no, I like. I love Nicole Kidman. It's just that whole presentation is just so. No, things are better. <laughs> like. <laughs> oh my god! The first movie I went to see, um, after the pandemic was Spider-Man: Far From Home. Mm-hmm. And. I legitimately almost had a panic attack like halfway through it just mm-hmm. because there were so many people around me. Mm-hmm. Like I, it took a while before I was comfortable. I'm still not entirely comfortable going to the movies and I definitely don't like when people are sitting next to me unless mm-hmm. it's Jason. Um, but it's not quite as bad as that first the first couple of times that I went to the movies, I was just like, this is stupid. What am I doing here? I'm going to catch COVID. And I'm going to die. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And I, so I didn't experience the Nicole Kidman thing until way, way later. I've been going through it for a while now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, to be fair to me, I, I go to the movies a lot. I remember the last time I really went with this uh, frequency. Uh, was back in like the like late nineties, early two thousands, and like in the AMC theaters, then they always had a particular opening before the every movie. And I like I, me and my friends went to the movies so much that it would be annoying when they would do that thing, right? And and so obviously, <laughs> it's just be it's on me, right? Because I go so much, but at the same time. The message that she's trying to, to sell me, which was really more poignant right after things opened up again, at least in California, it was like you're like this whole thing is geared towards like like making me think that everything's okay because you can go to the movies again, and I'm just like no. Like, meanwhile, not. she's in an empty theater. Yeah, but that's what you know. I did. I I think I said that one time, but I I, I was taking a shot at the Marvels, but I was just like that movie theaters is empty as. As it the movie theater was when I was watching Marvels, I was the only one in there, you know. Um, and it was a good movie, by the way. If you wait, if you get a chance to see it, uh, I liked it. Yeah, it's on it's on Disney Plus like next week, and I plan on watching it. And I'm really bummed that I just didn't have the time to go see it in the theater because yeah, really it was like really to. fun. 
it was really fun. People just, I think, pre-hated it and kind well, of stuck. Well, sure. Yeah, because it's three women in, in a superhero movie, and how dare they? Yeah, I mean, that was part of it. I just think people are tired of, kind of tired of Marvel in general. There's yeah. there definitely is a vocal there definitely is a vocal group of people that do that, but I didn't want to see it, and I just you know so I just think <laughs> okay well let's get let's get back to this and 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 start talking about Apollo's big idea. Yeah, he initially asks why they should keep the the prisoners alive, and Hilo suggests that. They can interrogate them. And Apollo thinks they won't talk. Rosalind thinks they will if they think the vaccine is a cure rather than a stopgap. Apollo tells them that the five Cylons prayed on the ship and that Athena told him that it was the kind of prayer that they tell when they know they won't be resurrected, except that he says downloaded with a very British emphasis on (laughs) downloaded, not downloaded. (laughs) <laughs> he says they're ready to die and Rosalind thinks that that may be true but that doesn't mean that one of them won't jump at the chance to live so he also does not call her Athena he says Carl's wife which I found yeah. to be strange I literally have that in my notes just says Carl's wife that was really weird yeah and I, I'm trying to figure out why that strikes me as weird you know why why because we never call him Carl well- no, I mean, literally, I didn't know what he said the first time, and I had to go back and listen, and I was like, oh, he says Carl's wife. And I was like, I didn't know what he was talking about at first. I just thought it was weird that he that he refers to her as his wife instead of Athena, because he didn't have mm-hmm. a problem with calling her Athena. Earlier in the episode. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, Simon is brought in to be interrogated. He's in chains. He's got those, like, the neck collar thing on with the bars. What what would we call this? Yeah, there's, there is a term for it, and I have no idea. Okay. Because I didn't, I didn't think about it. <laughs> but I didn't think that it had a name. It's sort of like I, I saw it, and I, I recognize that. Kind Do they of use those on people, or is that something that they use on animals? Yeah, like animals. They use them on people in, in dystopian sci-fi movies. Yeah. <laughs> Mad Max, maybe. But uh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> Simon explains that everything was infected. They were, abandoned, they were abandoned by the other Cylon ships. The Cylons were afraid of spreading the disease. If one of them dies and is resurrected, the infection follows and infects the resurrection ship and the fleet. Which is a crazy idea. Yes, it is so crazy that this is the part that doesn't make sense to me. And I feel like they fumbled the ball. That the that the virus would follow their DNA? Yes. Okay. Because I mean it just the way that I the way that I I guess I think of resurrection and maybe you know from an in universe show you could like describe that the processes are different but I always thought of it just as like basically like I mean they say like downloading like their memories into a new copy and so it seems very technical 
And the way that they're talking about it here, you would transfer, like transfer the virus digital digitally and have it replicate along the ship. Like it doesn't make sense to me. They're not there there there's no part of their physicality that gets transferred. So why would the why would they why would it spread a like a biological virus? And I, it's actually funny because I kind of didn't realize it was biological virus in my memory i always just assumed it was like like a computer type thing or like from the from like radiation from the probe which i think they actually test for that and tease that a little bit um in this episode um but yeah the whole thing doesn't make like it doesn't make sense to me and someone can give me like oh well it's because i'm like no i'm like no (laughs) it doesn't it doesn't does it make sense? I understand what you're saying. Um, it's a very convenient way to be able to tell the story they want to tell, which is here we have an opportunity to wipe out the Cylons. And mm-hmm. then we have this one person who is opposing this because it's genocide. And what he does to stop it, it's a convenient device that they're using it does not make sense because you're right they their consciousness gets downloaded into a new body back in downloaded um i believe it's caprica it might have been it was caprica not sharon not boomer that says i'm still getting used to this body yeah so yeah yeah you're right it in in the the rules that they have created for this universe, this does not make sense. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. And it, it's like they could have, I mean, because it, it, it might get it. I think my brain just remembered it as something and my brain remembered it as something that would make more sense. And so I thought it was, you know, like basically the concept of use, like I can spread a virus through the computer to other computers and it would replicate in a certain way to cause that software to crash and i i would think i and that's what the vi and that's what the cylon sent to all of the the colonial fleet in the in the miniseries to make everything shut down so they could have easily taken that approach here they just they chose to make it like this biological thing so that they could have not just the um I mean, the the setup would be the same, but it's sort of like I think they wanted that whole sneezing on, you know, yeah. an un, un, unintended, you know, consequence. But it just does it doesn't line up. And again, somebody could make some explanation, and I'm just gonna be like, no, <laughs> like you're like it's like you're trying too hard to like find. It's like it just doesn't work, you know. And um, but that just to me again goes to overall my impression and you know from the previous episode and then it had to affect this one was just like they were they were just still shuffling around trying to get this episode to work and even in the commentary ron moore he he does sound very like he's like i like this episode i like it you know like he has that kind of intonation about it when he's talking um he said but even he says like when he goes back to watch certain parts it like doesn't feel as satisfying. So I just think that, you know, kind of acknowledges that it just doesn't quite work the way that they wanted to. And I, cause they kind of get off it pretty quickly too. Right. Yeah. So that's always my other sign 
that uh, whatever they don't feel is working gets ditched a lot sooner than than later. Which is, you know, that's a good thing for the show because you don't spend too much time with it and you can forget about it and move on to the good stuff. Yeah. So Simon, or, or no, Adama asks why they were sent to this place. And Simon says they were sent to look for the Lion Nebula by Baltar. And uh, <laughs> Gato's like, Baltar's alive? <laughs> um, he says that Baltar is on their base ship and is helping them find Earth. Adama realizes that Baltar is using their navigational charts. Simon says they want a new beginning, new beginning, just like the humans do. And he looks around and says that he gave them the information. They said they had a cure. So Adama tells Doc, or says that Doc will give him the medicine, and Doc orders the Marines to take Simon to the infirmary. I have to say, Rick Worthy is really good in this scene. Mm-hmm. Um, not that he's ever bad. I really like Rick Worthy. Mm-hmm. But he's especially good in this scene. Yeah. As he leaves, Apollo starts laughing, and he says he just thought of a way for them to be rid of the Cylons forever, to destroy the Cylon race. On Colonial One, he explains his idea. They go to an area known as a Cylon supply line. They look like they're waiting for a fight. They send their fleet, which includes a resurrection ship. One of Once the resurrection ship is there, they execute the infected prisoners and bug out. The prisoners resurrect and infect the whole Cylon race. Rosalind asks if they're sure the infection downloads, and Apollo says the Cylons believe it. Rosalind realizes that this could be the end of the Cylons entirely. And then Hilo speaks up and says that this is genocide and asks if that's what they're about now. And Apollo says they're not human. They were built, not born. And Hilo reminds them that he had a daughter and Apollo says, well, she was half human. These are dangerous things and they can be rid of them. Hilo says they can rationalize it all they want. But if they do this, it's wiping out an, an, a whole race of people, and it makes them no different from them. Rosalind disagrees. She says they annihilated billions of humans and then chased the survivors across the galaxy. And Hilo's like, well, they tried to live with us on New Caprica. And she is like, the fuck they did. Yeah, that was some naive bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and she's like, excuse me. And he says... They tried to live with us on New Caprica. And she's like, you weren't on New Caprica. You never stepped foot there. So out of respect for the hundreds of people on this crew who suffered through that snake pit, I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that. And they're, they're both right. And they're both wrong here. <laughs> like, yeah, he is wrong for being like, no, they tried. They really tried down there. She and like, no, Hilo, you fucking idiot. <laughs> they did not. <laughs> like, he really should this. You can't be that naive. Yeah. Like, come on. like what are like, you? Come on. What are you thinking? <laughs> she says that he needs to remember that the Cylons are a mortal threat to the human race. And he says it's about right and wrong, but no one wants to hear that. So, fine. Yes, he's married to a Cylon, but she has put herself at risk for them many times, and she's not half anything. She chose to be with them. She's a person. They are a race of people, and wiping them out would be a crime 
against and he like struggles and then it's like against humanity and apollo's like yeah they're not human and rosalind is like okay i'm gonna take your input under advisement and then thanks them both apollo leaves and hilo waits to be dismissed by adama and then rosalind and adama just share a look Man, whenever Rosalind starts talking and she doesn't take breaths in between uh, sentences, that's when I get scared. I'm like, girl, <laughs> she, she's about to read you down. Yeah. Like, <laughs> do not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then she falls in with like, and a good day, sir. <laughs> Dismisses you before you even have a chance to get off the last thought. Oh, yeah. man. So how come Hilo had to wait to be dismissed, but Apollo could just walk out? Uh, yeah, I know. Totally. I, yeah. <laughs> I just wrote, I just wrote, uh, Apollo and Hilo, they were friends once. They were friends like three days ago. Exactly. See? See? <laughs> <laughs> and now he's like, uh, Carl's wife. Maybe he said Carl because it's like they, they're such good friends. They get a cig- the cigar at Rising Star. That's still around. Or they blow that up. Wherever, like, they just, you know, make Cloud Nine, whatever. They, like, they get uh, cigars and drink. And he's like, yeah, Carl, what are you doing tomorrow? You know, maybe that's why. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. know. Sure. <laughs> sure, guy. <laughs> Another round. <laughs> Um, okay. Well, Baltar is being tortured. Like I said, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go into it. He's being tortured in his head, he's having sex with six. Um, in the midst of this, what he's saying to her in his head, he's saying out loud and uh Deanna is standing there listening to what he's saying. He's saying things like, I believe in you, I believe in you. I love you with all my heart. And she thinks he's talking to her, but really he's talking to the angel in his brain. <laughs> so she stops torturing him at this point. Uh, I guess because, I mean, she did go so far as to like stick this thing in his ear. Like, yeah, very wrath of calm. Uh, well, Actually, it was very clockwork orange. It was very clockwork orange. And I can't remember. I don't, know if there's an actual scene of him being tortured again where his eyes are being held open or if I just Mandela affected that it was very Captain Solo being tortured in Empire Strikes Back oh hmm. it was very no I'm just kidding <laughs> I don't have any other I don't have a store store of torture scenes unless we're talking about 24 then mm. then he, he was yeah. Every season he tortured somebody. <laughs> yep. Oh, must be eight o'clock. <laughs> or lost. Give me a bucket where of water and Saeed, some pliers. Saeed tortured Sawyer in the first season. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, and then... That was so edgy. That was so edgy. <laughs> when, <laughs> when I was covering Lost, when we were covering that episode, my co-host and I got into such an argument discussing torture. And I don't remember what the argument was about. That episode got corrupted, and we could not bring ourselves to talk about it again. Because it had, like, 
I don't know. We were on very opposing sides of this situation. And I think it was like a, I was defending Sawyer. She was defending Saeed thing. I don't even remember. But it was like, mm -hmm. it was bad enough that I was like, I don't know if we're going to keep doing the show anymore. Like, and that was first hey. season. And so we decided like, we're just not, we're just not going to re-record it. We're going to post an episode explaining like why we're not talking about this. So yeah, like I don't. I don't like torture. I don't think it's an effective tool in in any respect. I think if you're torturing somebody, they're going to eventually tell you what you want to hear, whether it's true right. or not. So <laughs> that's where I stand on it. Torture is stupid. And I also yeah. don't like to watch it on movies or on TV in any way, shape, or form because I, I just feel like it's the worst instincts of our species to intentionally harm other people yeah like they the person gets a bit of pleasure out of it too in yeah. some movies like they bring out the torture and they're it's like oh they're not trying to get the information they're really into this you freak you yeah like it's always some sadistic person like i it's just not it's not for me so uh <clears throat> Back on the Galactica, Athena is cleared by Coddle to leave quarantine. Hilo finds her in their quarters, and they hug and kiss, and she explains that the fetal blood from carrying Hera saved her. It gave her the antibodies, and she wants to celebrate. And I don't know. But sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and we're not going to kill off Athena, so sure. Um. He tells her that they're going to execute the prisoners and infect the Cylon fleet, and she starts to cry. In Adama's office, he tells Roslyn that there's a law that forbids him from using biological weapons unless directed by the president. She tells, or she's like, oh, so you're passing the buck. And he's like, well, yeah. <laughs> he says that Hilo is right. Wiping out an entire race will tear off a piece of their souls. Rosalind says that if the Cylons find them on Earth, they will try to destroy them again. Back to Hilo and Athena, they are discussing the genocide, and she says that she made a choice to wear the uniform and be a person. And he was like, you were a person before you wore the uniform. You were a person before I fell in love with you. You don't have to prove that. And she's like, I have to prove it every day. Which is sad, but true. She has to... Yeah. Every single day, prove her loyalty to human beings. And honestly, like, I I think Hilo is one of the best people on this show because he always wants to do the right thing. But in this situation, it's like you're not, you're you're protecting her, but you're not paying attention to what she's had to endure. And what she has had to do to be accepted. Yeah. They don't get super into the idea, um, but uh, they do talk about a lot about different versions of this and like who was going to be the saboteur and all that stuff. And, you know, there was there was a uh, version where it was going to be Athena um, and on you know on the surface level that makes the most sense, but I think when you really start to think about it, like she he she had just sworn in to be a pilot like a few days before or however long ago it was. Yeah. Um, and 
she's had to go through so much to get to that point that they were like, yeah, it doesn't make sense to, for her to just turn right around. And, you know, so they made it Hilo. And so, yeah. And, and by that, then like, yeah, Hilo isn't really seeing all those things that you said. Like he, he's just, he's so focused on doing the right thing, which is his, you know, superpower, which is always also often your super weakness, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He forgets about his wife. It's weird. Kind of puts her in line in the line of fire also. Um, yeah. And, you know, he does a, man, that's, that's my other biggest problem with this episode. He, he does a lot of stuff and puts a lot of lives at risk. Well, but casually. Like, whose lives at risk? Oh, I guess everybody who's out there because the Cylons could have really yeah. come at them. Yes. Yeah. True. Yeah. She says that her people may die, but this this Cylon is going to keep her word, even if it means she is the last Cylon in the universe. Can a human do that? And I'll tell you, Athena, no, a human cannot. Humans are duplicitous <laughs> and selfish and would never. <clears throat> Except for maybe Hilo, I guess. Back with Adama and Roslyn, he says that history doesn't look too kindly on genocide. And Rosalind is willing to risk that if it means that there are people still alive to hate them for it. And she authorizes him to use biological weapons. So they do their mission. And while they're out there waiting for the silence to show up, Hilo breaks into a breaker. He opens up a breaker thing and unplugs something. So when Apollo goes to execute the silent prisoners, he finds them all dead. So the vipers are called back and the galactic jumps away. So nothing happens. Like, nobody dies on this mission, which I guess Hilo is lucky for that. Because I think his... There would have been punishment had somebody died, I think. Yeah. I am... Yeah. I Like, the the amount of just at-risk everyone was put in just for his... I, it's, I imagine him, like, doing those little controls... Him going, like, <laughs> it just seems so, like, I don't know, casual and frivolous. It was just really weird. That whole, and I remember back that I did, I've always felt that about this episode. Like, I just never really liked, like, it, it's not even that he does it, but then just like, it's just kind of like it didn't happen, even though they sent all those people out and they, anybody could have died, you know? Yeah. Oh. Hilo sits I with... still like Hilo. They'll uh, still I mean, think he's great. Yeah, you have to still like him. He's not doing this to... He doesn't have, have bad intentions. He's he's trying to prevent a genocide from happening. It's just, you know, it's complicated. It's a complicated issue that they don't really allow themselves to get complicated by. Yeah. It's a very surface discussion about genocide and while we're sitting here now in 2024 while there is a genocide happening in the world i mean there's probably always to an extent some kind of genocide happening on some scale depending but though you know right now we are watching one happen and it's horrific um Mm -hmm. it's hard to like sit back and be like this is an easy breezy simple conversation to have this is a right and wrong and you know and like we come out of it, and nobody, nobody's the winner. In a way, and there's no winner to 
to something like that. Like you can't you cannot have a discussion about genocide and have it be simplistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I like the episode kind of shows you in the in the initial conversation about it. Um and then um when Adama and Rosalind are talking about it just together, there's a whole feeling of like, yeah, we're not really gonna tell you what to think. It's just we're like these are all the things that we feel and think. Um and any decision we come to is not gonna be super clean. It's sort of like, well we have to make a a call, whatever that is. But there are lots of reasons why. I mean, in this case, on the sci-fi show, um, I could see myself being like, yeah, let's get rid of them. You know, like, and Rosalind brings up that point. Like, they killed 60 billion of us. It's not like, you know, they they genocided us first. That's why we're here in this moment. And even if I morally thought that that might have been wrong, I'm like, like all the running and stuff I've done, like, I'm over it. So, yeah, let's just end it, you know? Um, but that's also, there would be a feeling of like, oh, man, that's also doesn't really feel like right. We should give people a chance, you know? And, um, yeah, so all of that, I'm just, I'm rambling. Yeah, I mean, it's a, <laughs> it's a complicated, it's complicated. And honestly, I, I, it shouldn't, it, it doesn't, it doesn't need to be genocide's wrong, period. And it doesn't matter how bad you might think some people are. And if we're going to be very simple, like Cylons, yes, they annihilated 60 billion people. They they struck first. They, they're not right for doing that. The response isn't to turn around and do it back, I guess. I don't know. I I don't know how to talk about something like this because it is something that's very very complicated and political and um ultimately my view is you do not wipe out entire races of people yeah so, i mean that's why the I, I think it's science fiction is um such a useful tool to explore problems and political things that we're going through today because you know a uh, whole allegory metaphor stuff going on with it right so you can sort of be able to examine that stuff without, you know, having like you could actually maybe get a little more deep with stuff because you don't have all the same triggers that you would have um, to the degree you'd have when you're talking about something real. So I'm watching an episode of Star Trek when, you know, that famous one with the the aliens, like one side is black, one side's white, and then it's like reversed on the other aliens. And to us, they look the same, but they hate each other. You know, you could actually kind of look at like the idea, whatever idea of racism easier that way, because you're not trying to circle wagons around your tribe, which makes you come up with conclusions you might not have come up with otherwise. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yes, it's really good in that way. Um, And I I think that this show could have had an impactful episode about the idea of doing something like this but it it was rushed it was yeah it was in (laughs) in one 15 minute segment it was brought up in the next 15 minute segment it was enacted and and then uh you know sabotaged 
Mm-hmm. And it's just not the kind of... They should have dedicated an episode or two to this idea so that they could have like thoughtful conversations or thoughtful debates about it. And then really what would have been more satisfying than Hilo sabotaging the mission is for the, you know, mom and dad in charge here to be like, yeah, we, regardless of what they've done to us, that doesn't mean that we need to do it back. Mm Mm-hmm. And and I feel like that would have been a little more satisfying. Yeah, uh, it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just like I get, I feel like they just were like, we're getting off of this because it's not working. You know, let's get off of this and go somewhere else because this, whatever other stuff that they are contemplating, it it could have just been like, oh man, we have this unfinished business two episodes from now, and this all of this stuff doesn't factor into any of that. So let's just end it quickly. Um, that that mean that could have been that going on. Yeah. So basically, I guess we're coming to the conclusion here that these two episodes were kind of filler. And yeah, and like empty calories. These are empty calories. Yeah, my it's funny again. My brain just maybe like it loves the show so much that it like my subconscious. Like was like stored it in my brain in a certain way so that I wouldn't have any like cognitive dissonance about it. But it's like my brain remembers it like as a much longer like arc. Mm-hmm. Like I thought, I you know, and like I kept, you know, I kept saying this thing with Hilo. Like I was like vaguely mentioning it before, but I, I it was this episode. I didn't realize that. I felt I thought this came much later at the end of like a whole. I thought there was like a big. Cylon virus arc <laughs> it is like a lot more epic in my brain because like like on an instinctual level you understand that it's a good big deal mm-hmm. right and and so yeah it could it should have been something that they was dealt with and it did it could have been the sea story for a while until they you know yeah but i just think i just think they'd probably just like like i said they're just moving things along and let's get this over with um, there was I, it, Ron Moore did mention something about not wanting to bring the uh, the beacon on the ship. Um, he just like he said, I think he might have said like that stupid thing. So I I just don't think that they liked that idea. I don't I don't know why. Yeah. Um, but they just wanted to get things going. We have we have to meet uh, Cara Lumbly next episode. We got to get this virus thing over with. You know <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then, uh, and then after, like after that, we have unfinished business. That's a doozy. We got, you know. Yeah. And then it's like, and then where I think we're moving into the finale almost. So, this no. mid-season finale. Yeah, mid-season. I mean, yeah. we've got we've got a few more episodes, yeah, but yeah, yeah just quite like a bit in, to go. just in, yeah, in, in terms of production, I could just kind of see how they they'd be like, let's let's, uh, let's get this stuff done, and so it doesn't quite. Because there's a lot of compelling stuff here, but like I said, just like the lot, like for me, the logic of that. I have a big no on my notes. Uh, <laughs> the, the virus thing. It's just like I thought about it a lot. I was like, this doesn't make any sense. And I, why did I always think it was just like a computer type thing? But no, it was. It was not. I mean, and, there, there was a was computer like, virus in season two that that uh, Gata like programmed. It was after they had after the mute 
not mutiny kind of after right. the after yeah. the tie had taken over and like you know allowed a virus onto yeah. their ship yeah so there was that mm-hmm. maybe you just sort of conflated them together yeah because there was another there's another scene i think it either happens in a later episode it might be the next one or um down the road somewhere where Hilo tells Adama it was him. And they might, they, again, they might have, that might have been on the deleted scene. I don't know how I would have watched that, but, or it could have been on the episode, but it's just my brain remembers this whole thing differently. And I, and I have a strong suspicion it's because it, like, maybe it just makes more sense in the back of my brain. So I just remembered the way that it makes sense. Like that scene with Hilo, I was kind of saying it's like they put something in there to like make it make sense at some point, but they also know that it because he needed to have repercussions for what he did. He's even standing there saying, I think they're going to come for me. Yeah. And then like nobody ever comes, you know. And again, and Ron Moore talks about how that was part of production. Like they, at some point, they intended for that to happen. It just doesn't. And so I'm going to have to give this a. Uh, Uh, There's this final scene with Adama and Roslyn in his chambers. He says that the prisoners died of asphyxiation. The air purification system was reversed, sucked the oxygen out. And when this happens, the deadbolts are automatically activated on the door. That someone did this manually. And she's like, and we know who that someone is. And asks if they, who will head the investigation? And he's like, no one, I'm closing the book on this. And she's like, really snarky, like, oh, how convenient. Mm-hmm. He tells her that Coddle said the beacon seemed to have an accidental contamination and that it was an exact match to a virus that was reported around 3,000 years ago, right around the time of the 13th colony, uh, right around the time the 13th colony left Cobol. She smiles and says that the beacon was a signpost to Earth. He thinks they're on the right trail, and she agrees, but so are the Cylons. This was like a very long way around to get that they are heading to Earth, and so are the Cylons. With some Mm -hmm. Baltar Mm -hmm. torture thrown in there in the middle, and like I've watched this episode three times, two times Mm -hmm. this week, and it's, yeah. Like I don't, I'm, I don't have a huge urge to go back and watch it again anytime soon. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, again, my my brain remembers it coming much later, and maybe like the arc featuring a little bit more. But I also do remember it kind of, especially I always remember the the ending of the episode with Hilo and just never really being okay with how easy all of that was. Um, yeah, I don't know, but they just were like, hey, we've got to wrap this up. Yep. So this is the first episode in which uh, Saltai does not appear. Oh. And there was a scene where Ty accuses Hilo of being a poor XO and having a relationship with a Cylon um, that was not filmed at Michael Hogan's insistence, mm. he argued that Ty would heed Adama's order to pull himself together in the previous episode. Yeah, this episode did have a lot of interesting uh, deleted scenes. Yeah. It was, a, like, it was a, 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 another thing that kind of makes me feel like it was a lot of stuff was 
you know, rushed or whatever. Um, but they just were trying to make it work. Uh, the only thing that I thought was any like real substance was the, there was a whole sequence with, uh, Starbuck, uh, questioning Leoben. Um, and it sort of like mirrors way back, uh, flesh and bone yeah. episode. Yeah. Yeah. That one, that one was good. And then there was the scene where Apollo, um, addresses the pilots in the ready room and says that they need yeah. every pilot they've got for this. And that's why Starbuck was allowed to fly. Mm -hmm. I totally forgot she was grounded until I watched that, uh, deleted scene. <laughs> and then I was like, Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there was, there was that other scene. I mean, just, we'll just mention it for people watching, but there's another scene where Deanna and six are talking and it just has them, sort of like demonstrating that whole VR uh, projection stuff. So from oh, yeah, yeah. Six's perspective, Six's perspective, they're in the forest. And then in um, Deanna's perspective, they're in that church still. And it kind of flat cuts back and forth between them certain shots to kind of convey that idea. And they were just in the hallway. Yeah, I liked that. Yeah. Because, you know, we knew that that's what Caprica projected, but I was excited to see what Deanna projected. I think I think actually that projection was in a was in a was it in the last episode or was it in a deleted scene maybe? Um, um that she was talking about she was in a church. Deanna? Yeah, I think it was yeah, I think it was a deleted scene from the previous episode. Yeah, she was um they were in that church and she was showing that's what she sees. I don't remember that. I thought I watched all the deleted scenes last episode. Maybe they talk about it. I don't know. I feel like I saw. I feel like I saw it. I don't know. Maybe I'm having a uh, lots more fake memories, like the hybrid <laughs> on the hybrid ship. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> um, was Baltar okay. the worst this week? Um, no. I mean, I, I'll give you a pass if you're getting tortured. So, yeah. <clears throat> who gets full colors um i will give full colors to jesus i don't even know everybody everybody like okay i know who i'm gonna give my full colors to and it's gonna sound crazy later but i'm gonna give him the helo okay yeah i i don't disagree he he's his heart is in the right place. Yeah. Who would you throw out the airlock? Hilo. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I said it's going to sound crazy. Um, I say Apollo for having this crazy genocide idea in the first place. Yeah. It's like why I like, it's why I said Hilo for full colors. Cause like I thought about it and I, you know, I thought about Lee and then everybody else, even even like Starbuck, I, it's not Starbuck's fault, but she's like taking orders. But it's like they were all in on this plan, you know. And so I was like, I can't really say anybody, but Hilo's the only one that like did the right thing. But then on the other hand, I'm like, Jesus guy, like you know, like you put people at risk, they died for nothing, you know, all that stuff. So yeah, this week's favorite Cylon. Uh, it's probably almost going to be Sharon almost all the time. For me. Yeah, definitely Sharon. Or Athena. 
Yeah. All right. Where can people find... Oh, no. First, my question. God, I'm a mess. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have any new uh, reviews? Uh, no, I have not seen any new reviews. We still have our same last one from September last year. Very sad. Mm, kind of sad. Where can people find you around these interwebs? Um, you can find me on Instagram at the Armageddon. Uh, also, I just on a personal level do uh, have a TikTok that's at the Armageddon, and I put music that gets muted because it's universal. <laughs> um, <laughs> I actually went through my. I was like, what? What did get muted? And it's like not everyone, so that's cool. Um, and you can find me on uh, another. <laughs> I always can't remember the name of my show. Another review that you didn't ask for. Um, I'm actually going to be, I think I'm going to be going going to see Argyle. So by the time this episode comes up, I might have a review for Argyle up. Um, and uh, we have a, another TV Obscure episode dropping real soon about some Canadian shows, none of which I had ever heard of before. Um this Monday, so by the time this is up, that should be up also. Cool. I did look at our YouTube page and saw that the mini series had like forty views, so that's cool. Oh, that is cool. Yeah, I didn't advertise it at all, so that's awesome. Well, speaking of that, uh, we have a YouTube page, Galactica Actually. Uh, where our episodes are put up, our podcast episodes are up um, with just some general graphic, uh, not video of us. So settle down. <laughs> we also have an Instagram, Galactica Actually. Uh, if you want to email us, Galactica Actually Podcast at gmail.com. And we have a Twitter account at Galactually Pod, but we don't use it very much. I can be found on Instagram at Oh Hey Jamie. I do not do fun pictures of popcorn buckets, but I do <laughs> post pictures of my cat. And she's very cute and fat. <clears throat> Sometimes I post stuff from concerts that I've gone to or food. So, you know, it's it's really, really riveting stuff over there. Yeah. You can find me on the Unspoiled Network talking about uh, Lost... Doctor Who, Band of Brothers, Punisher, and Vampire Diaries, some shows that I did in the past. Next week, as you said before, is the episode called Hero, where we will have uh, Carl Lumley join us for a bit. I guess that's not next week, actually. It will be in two weeks, because next week I am going to Atlanta Comic Con, where Katie Sackhoff and Mary McDonald will be. So I'm going to... I've heard of both of them before they <laughs> pretty they sound sound very intriguing yeah i, I hear they're they're pretty decent actresses um yeah gonna get something signed i don't know what i haven't figured out yet what i'm gonna bring but gonna get former it. first lady former president <laughs> For, mary mcdonald former ceo of a some kind of pharmaceutical company what show was that? House, the Fall of the House of Usher. Oh. Oh, she's in that? I didn't know that. She's incredible in that. 
I told you she was in that because she's in it and so is Anders. And I was very excited. You should watch I it. Remember, it's so good. I remember Anders. I remember you I remember you going on uh, Anders. I, I don't remember I don't remember about her. I maybe one day. I just really don't, you know. It's I know you were burned by Midnight Mass. It is so it is so much better than Midnight Mass. It's so good. Seriously. So good. You should watch it. Yeah. Mary McDonald is so great. And Bruce Greenwood, like I I don't even know. He gives an Oscar worthy monologue in one episode where I was just like, Holy shit, what did we just watch? That was a master class. Yeah. Unbelievable. It's so good. So yeah. Uh she will be doing a Fall of House of Usher panel, but I'm probably not gonna go to that to see how I feel. Uh Actually, that might be Sunday, and now I'm not going on Sunday. Whatever. I'm going to try to meet two people from Battlestar Galactica next weekend <laughs> and hopefully not cry or make a fool of myself because I did cry last year when I met Ashley Eckstein, so who knows what could happen. So until then. I don't know that. I don't know that anybody can make me cry if I met them. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, cool. Um, Ash- you? Ashley Eckstein is the only person that I've ever cried when I met them. But um, who is she? I don't even know. Who she's she is. she's Ahsoka. She played the she's the voice oh, of Ahsoka okay. in the animated series. And oh, okay, um, basically the Clone Wars and Rebels kind of saved my sanity during lockdown, <laughs> and <laughs> it just was really really emotionally important to me. And her character, the character of Ahsoka, like gave me hope. And I know that's really cheesy to say because it's a cartoon and whatever, but it really did kind of keep me from being at in a worse depression. And um, <laughs> I started telling her that and I started to cry. <laughs> and she actually gave me a hug, which was really sweet. <laughs> She's very sweet. Uh, I don't expect to have that kind of reaction to Katie or Mary because I... I admire them and I love their work, but they, it's not like, it's not something that like kind of helped me through a trauma. (laughs) So. Yeah. (laughs) It's a, it's your, uh, it's like your music version of like your music saved me like that, (laughs) that meme (laughs) with the poster holding that, you know, I don't think I've seen that one. Oh, you never seen that? Um, but yeah, instead of like, you know, your music saved me, it's like, your TV show, your cartoon saved me. Yeah. Like her her performance of Ahsoka, the character she played, like really gave me hope in the world somehow and um lifted me up in a way that I am so grateful for. So I started telling her that and started crying and it was embarrassing, but also she's just the kindest person I've probably ever met. Um, it was exciting. I would do I I my version of that. I guess would if I met Sean Astin, and I'd be like, "You gave me hope when you said there's some good left in the world, Mister Frodo." Off air, I'll tell you my Sean Astin stories. I know you have to. I've I've heard your I've heard your Sean Astin stories. They're really good. I know. I know <laughs> what he means to you. 
Oh, well, I, I mean, was I was going to marry that him. Line for... I was convinced yeah. I was going to marry him when I was eight years old. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't but tell yeah, I just, him. That. I just thought. It. <laughs> maybe I don't. Maybe should have. He could've was already married. Could have been meant to be. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. No, was... Marriage. Marriage. <laughs> never let a good. Never let a good marriage get in the way of love. Oh no! 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 No. By, by the time I grew up, I was over it. But he, he'll he always be very, very special to me, too. And yet, I did not cry any of the times that I met Sean Astin. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, are you being serious, though? Would you cry over Sean Astin? No, I was... I, you, you, are you making fun you of me? When you were talking about... I wasn't making fun of you when you said the whole bit about your... Like you know, your show saved me. I don't know his his speech started in my head, and I just was like, "What?" That is actually my of... favorite monologue in anything ever. Ever, ever that speech, the two oh. towers speech that he gives, is my favorite thing ever written on film. Hmm. I love it so much, and it has always been inspiring. It's always been something that I remind myself of. That there's good in this world, mm. Mr. Frodo. There's good in this world, Mr. Frodo. Yeah, it's it's very moving, and I cry every time I watch the Two Towers. Also, I talked about that that scene with Elijah Wood because I thought that Sean should have gotten an Oscar nomination for it, mm. and he agreed. Anyway, all this is going to get cut out because it is just rambly, but. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Until next week, Diallo, what do you hear? Nothing but the rain. <laughs> Bye. Bye. I was trying to think of something. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're about to have a hurricane again. Um... Stay dry. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.